Welcome to League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. This is Ira Jersey. On this episode, I speak with Captain Breck Evans and Head Coach Eric Quill from North Texas SC, the inaugural USL League One champions. Let's go to our discussions. I'm here with North Texas SC captain and center back Breck Evans for the second time on League One Fun. Breck, thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, glad to be back. Thanks for uh, having me back on the pod. So I can now say that you're on the regular season championship North Texas SC. What's it feel like to have won a championship in the league's inaugural season? Um, it's it's a pretty big deal. Um, I think that kind of shows that throughout the season we've been the, the most consistent team. But um, at the same time, you know, we're all remaining level-headed, and we know that being the regular season champion, um, it doesn't really mean much if, in the end, it doesn't amount to anything, and we don't we don't come away with the the, the championship. So it's a big achievement, but I mean, there's still a lot of work to be done. You know, so obviously, since you're affiliated with FC Dallas, and and your your uh, you know the the pathway up to FC Dallas, as we've seen a few players, you know, go both directions and and play with North Texas, and then you know guys like Ricardo Pepe and Brandon Cervania going uh, playing for both the first team and for North Texas. What do you think has been the single most important aspect to your game personally over over the the past year? I mean, how much do you think you've grown playing in a professional environment instead of playing for the academy? Um, I think I've grown immensely. Um, first of all, like the having to be a leader, you know, as a as a really young player, um, a lot of the, you know, usually that's tasked to someone with years of experience um, at the pro level. So having to having to mature quickly and not just worry about myself, but about my teammates and making sure that they're um, performing and that the team, the overall morale, in the locker room and whatnot is. Uh, that the standard where it should be um but also on the field you know training habits um getting to train with the first team guys like matt hedges or reto i mean just a wealth of experience and just getting little pointers from them and then taking it back to training sessions and games with north texas um trying to apply it and also being a leader um i think that will um for the rest of my career, you know, helped me a lot. This um, first year has been, like, it's forced a lot of growth um, upon the team and me personally, and I, I couldn't be happier, you know. That's the reason why I signed. I'm doing what I'm doing. It's, it's to uh, to develop. So over the past year, um, to answer your question, yeah, I think I've, I've grown a lot as a player. So what's it like being, how is it different from being on, say, the U19 Academy team versus being in the professional ranks? I mean, obviously, it's a, a longer season. It's also a season that goes over the summer instead of taking a break in the summer um, where the Academy season's going to, you know, fall through spring and, and you know, kind of ends come June. Um, you know, how, how is it different? Is it, is it, well, just in what ways is it different? Um, it's, it's definitely phys- more physically demanding. Um, the training sessions are longer. Um, there's a, like, I think in the beginning of the year, there was kind of a learning curve to, to the recovery process. And like, it makes you realize why everyone is doing ice fast and getting treatment every single day, because it's, it's really important that you remain healthy and 
I mean, a small knock, if you're, it's not taken care of and you're not making the right choices off the field, it can turn into a, like something serious where you can miss games. And so just being more like the, the health side of it, making sure you're taking care of your body um, in every way you can is a huge thing. And then, like I was saying, the training habits, um, it's just so much more intense. Like even today, and we started preseason in late January, been a lot of months and we're um like everyone's out there competing today slide tackling you know giving it their all um that 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 is physically demanding after a while after a long season you know a lot of a lot of games played a lot of miles on your legs and that comes with being a pro you know when you're tired or um, maybe you're feeling a little heavy-legged you still have to push through talk to us a little bit about the difference between you know, the, the shorter season. So, so I'm just thinking about the college season, uh, you know, the, the college season right now is, um, you know, maybe a third of the way over, whereas, um, you know, whereas your season is kind of coming to an end, but has been going on, like you said, you, you know, showed up the preseason in January, you've been playing competitive games since March. Um, you know, but, but you don't, the cadence is different, right? So you don't have a game every third day or you're playing, you know, mostly once a week. It, it, does that make the games and, and, and the recovery from the games just a little bit easier? Or do you think that because you're not playing those competitive games all the time, it's, it's not quite as, uh, as, as tedious on the body, like you, you were mentioning? Um, I think the, the fact that the college season is, um, so much shorter it's just automatically a lot easier on your body because you've had all that time off to to recover and do maintenance work and then when it's time to go yeah it's hard when you're playing but it only lasts three months and you can kind of see it out till the end um the fact that we only play one game a week um like you said sometimes more sometimes less the coaches can kind of use that as an opportunity to have like a lot harder training sessions where we're doing stuff like transition drills you know fitness Duels, like high intensity, high load um, work. So, I mean, some I I know for a fact I've had training sessions that after I feel like I just played a game, you know, and maybe <laughs> with the added with the added weight and I mean the load the day before was also hard. You could it, it's probably similar to playing a game. So, um, it's something that you have to to manage, you know, taking care of your body, but. The fact, I think overall, the fact that it's a longer season, um, and my first year, a lot of our guys on our team first year in the professional game, um, it's a learning curve for sure. So what's it like leading the back line and, and making sure that everyone's organized? Because one of the things that we've noted on our show is that you guys have, you know, let up a few goals on set pieces here and there. You know, this past weekend, um, you know, Connor Antley got in behind and was able to score. Now, granted, it was a very nice service. No one picked them up, and clearly, you know that that potentially is going to be dangerous. And when you get into knockout games like you're going to be uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks, uh, you want to make sure you limit the damage right early on. And um, you know, talk to me about how you guys might start fixing some of the problems on on your set piece defending. Um, I think fixing that it starts with just not giving up stupid fouls um, in and around the area where teams are allowed to give a. Uh, give service into the box or corner kicks or anything, you know, our coach Eric talks about that. Um, I mean, doing whatever you can to prevent a corner. If you have to slide tackle to see the ball out for a throw in or whatever it might be. Um, it's important that we don't give away set pieces. Um, 
I think throughout the season we actually have done pretty well on set pieces. So maybe in the recent games that we've been a bit unfortunate, but I mean, if you look at the larger sample size, I don't think that that's necessarily been a weak spot for our team, but definitely um, because the, the leader and vocal being vocal on set pieces and making sure that the, the guys on the team pick up their marks early on. Um, so when, when they arrive in the box, we're not scrambling or if they do a quick restart, um, that's important. And then, I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to winning your duels. You can be marked up and everything, but if you you lose your duel, then it makes it hard to defend. So all those things that I, um, contribute, but I think if we're, you know, the way we like to play is having possession and um, as long as we have the ball, they can't, can't have a free kick. They can't um, be dangerous in the attack. So if we're playing our game the way we should and sharp on the ball, and I think playing at home since we secured home field advantage, um, that all of that helps a lot heading into the knockout game. So you guys went down to South Georgia uh, scoring two goals. You know, we, we noted that Richard Danso scored the uh, scored the league-winning goal for you guys, and uh, Otoro obviously had his great free kick, which, uh, which secured the victory for you on the day. We saw some videos on social media. I, I guess it was on the was it on the bus ride to the airport, but you guys were were chanting, you know, championes and uh, having a great time. Talk to me about the experience of kind of what happened after you guys got off the pitch, because, you know, the what happens on TV is, you know, they, they, they go into, you know, match highlights and stuff. But we didn't see much of you guys after uh, after you, you know, shook hands with the Tormenta guys. What, what was the locker room like? And then what was that uh, that bus ride like uh, headed back to the airport, I guess? Um, we're, we're pretty ecstatic, you know, um, on the field, uh, our, um, one of our assistant coaches already, he started spraying water and a couple of the guys got the water and I think it was Gatorade actually and dumped it on coach Eric. Um, he wasn't too pleased about that, but, uh, <laughs> coaches we, never we, are I mean, until I, afterward. I, I know, have to say that <laughs> definitely not, but, uh, we were, yeah, we were really happy in the locker room, you know, listening music everyone's in a really good mood because we did just win the league but I think once we're on the bus you know after the they took the video of us on the bus you know people kind of started to put it into perspective and realize that nothing nothing's won yet you know I mean if if the season were to end today we I mean if we weren't to win another game today for the rest of the season we would not be we would not be happy with but um all the hard work that we put in um with that being the end so there's still a lot of hard work to be done to be done and i think it shows maturity of our young team that the players realize that but um i mean that was kind of like an appetizer you know we got a taste of what it's like to be champions and now we're 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 still hungry we want to we want to go for the the championship so looking uh, looking ahead, and not too far ahead, but just just ahead a couple more a couple more days, do you do you have an idea about what the mental state of the team is when it comes to the playoffs? You know, have have people been talking about that? Like, what's the psychological difference between you know these one time knockout games versus a league game, or, or is your approach just exactly the same as you've had it all season? Um, I think our approach will be very similar we're gonna you know watch video on the opponent whoever that might be we're gonna um try and come out um come out from the first minute and try and get a goal but um i mean we're not 
or, or maybe the first the first of... 20 seconds maybe as you guys have... yeah that was that was pretty nice um no i i don't think anyone's gonna try and kid themselves into thinking it's just another league game we all know what's at stake and uh no matter who plays whether it's an academy kid or someone from the first team um on loan with us i, don't, I think that they all realize the importance of what it means to the franchise as a whole, um, to our ownership group, to uh, everyone who's just invested in us, helped us throughout the season to get where we are into this um, position. There will there will be an added sense of competitiveness, intensity. Um, I mean, all the above in the competitive match, knockout match. So last question and a little bit of a theoretical here. But let's say that ProRel existed and you guys would be going up into the championship. Um, you know, would that, would that be something that you think you guys would relish, you know, playing against the, the likes of, you know, Louisville and, um, you know, Phoenix Rising and, and the Red Bulls too, for that matter? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think even from a developmental standpoint, you need to win to develop, but at the same time, you need to, to be in those harsh situations and, and not get too comfortable, you know, having, having grown men, um, kind of humble you, I guess, for lack of a better term is huge as a young player, because you, you know, you win a couple games in a row and you think that you're hot stuff all of a sudden. And I think if we were to move up into the USL championship, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, assume that we would do great or take last place or whatever, but I think, objectively the level is higher which would make the matches higher a higher level and everyone on the team would have to rise up um and it would in turn raise their level now i know there's different rules and regulations with um like how many academy guys can play and all that but uh yeah i mean since it is a, a hypothetical i think that overall it would it would benefit a lot of us young guys playing in that environment well, that's great. That was North Texas SC captain and League One champion, Breck Evans. Breck, thanks very much again for coming on League One Fun. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. It's always a pleasure. Now I'm here with Eric Quill, the head coach of North Texas SC, the second team for FC Dallas. Coach Quill, thanks very much for coming on the show. Thanks a lot for having me. So first, let's talk about putting your team together. Uh, you know, from the both from the very beginning and and more recently. You know, when you're searching and selecting for players for the second team. So you guys didn't have a second team. You so players went from the academy, kind of right up to the first team. How did you go about selecting which of both the academy players and maybe some of the players who weren't going to necessarily see a lot of first team minutes uh, for for making your team? You know, how 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 did that process go from the beginning? Well, um, for me, I was hired on after this team was really all the credit putting the team together goes to Lucci Gonzalez and Chris Hayden um, here. Um, Lucci was, you know, scheduled. He was going to be the second team coach before Oscar moved on. So he was actually, you know, putting forth all the efforts uh, for a year and plus before the, the season came. So he he's actually... Um, the guy with Chris that put the, the roster together. So I wouldn't, I'd be speaking negligently if I told you how we did it because um, I came in, I was hired after um, everything was put together and, and the roster was, was set. 
Well, f fair enough. I, I guess let's maybe we could talk a little bit about integrating new players then. So, you know, as the season's gone along, obviously you've had some players move out. You know, you had Brandon Cervania for a little while and then Ricardo Pepe, who was the golden boot leader and, and your top scorer for a while. He goes up to the first team and hasn't seen quite as many minutes with, with you guys more recently. Talk to me about the, that movement of players. Um, and then I have a specific question in a moment about uh, about. Uh, Ronaldo Damas, but you know, how do you integrate those those players into your into the team? Um, even though you know they've gone through the FC Dallas system, but how do you integrate them and, and make sure that you know the chemistry is there with with the team? And given how successful you are, no one can doubt that you're not doing a great job with it. Well, I think you know, going back a little, maybe a little bit to the first place, was I think the rosters are put together with uh, you know a set mindset of you know let's have competition in every position. Um, so I think, you know, when these rosters are being put together, you know, with the Cervonias of the world, the Cerrillos, the Paxton, you know, with, with the first team thought in mind as well. So I think in order to avoid a bottleneck in, you know, situations, they, they were very strategic in putting together the right amount of profiles in each position. So, you know, once the season got going and once or after preseason, once you kind of see all the cards on the, on the table, um, who's sort of standing out and who's going to be Who's going to be the starting the starting 11 or starting 16 to 18 players in, in the first team? And then we know we have more than the you know we have a ton more players than that who are deserving and, and well on their way to, to being first team players. So how do we get those guys games? And how do we strategically make sure that they need, they need to be logging a lot of minutes? And so we have to you know sort of share the wealth as uh, the mindset I think is really is about you know how if if. If uh, Cervania, if he's not going to make a roster, if he's going to come off the bench in, a, in multiple games in a row, he needs a game somewhere, somewhere along the line. So naturally, the second team has been able to provide that moment for um, Lucci to say, you know, look, he's had a, he's been in our eight team, but hasn't really played in the last three or three games. So from a match fitness standpoint, we need him to get a game. So you know, let's put him with, with NTSC. So that's really, you know, like Thomas Roberts, same thing. Like they're first team players um, who are on the cusp and at moments have broken in. And then, you know, for whatever reason, if, if you know, somebody surpassed them, there's still the quality's there. So we've got to be able to be, you know, mindful of the sort of the, the individual periodization of all these players and what their needs are if we're going to make, if, if they're going to make the jump and be in stick for good. So that for me is, is, is really sort of the, the, the link between the first team and second team guys. Now you have the second team guys who started on, you know, second team contracted guys who, you know, Arturo Rodriguez is of the world and Ronaldo Donis is of the world who, they, they understand that when first team players come down that they're going to play. That's the model. We, you know, they know that, that no matter what happens, if you don't like that model, you got to get yourself to the first team. So they they need to seize opportunity in a different way than the first team guys coming down. So they've really stepped out of their shell and really gone for it and understood like you know how things are you know the culture how it's set now, and they've shown a lot of growth. Um, I think you know obviously Archeros and conversations now about being a first team player and and a lot as well as other other guys so it's been a really interesting you know management side of things to make sure that all these players as you basically have the, we have 11 positions right so between first team and second team that's 22 positions on the field and we've got a ton more players than that so to keep guys motivated and keep guys um hungry and it, it's, it's a it takes special people and i think we have great staffs um on, you know, across the, the whole organization, um, but with with really 
a good head on their shoulders is, is how we deal with our players and, and, what, and what their needs are. So I feel like we, they understand. They, they, you know, of course, decisions are going to be made in which we don't expect all everybody to like them all the time because they want to, everybody wants to play. But there's still there, there's a there's a culture here of, of competition that that breeds itself, and there, there's a hunger in the bellies of these guys. And so it's been a it's been a really interesting year to sort of see players evolve and grow. And you know, the the guys first team guys coming down, second team guys guys going up. Training integration. It's just, uh, it's really been a lot of fun, and I think it's in two. You know, you're starting to see the the, the effects of it now, but it's just going to be even more uh, evident here a year to two years down the road. So, talk to me a little bit about uh, Ronaldo Damas because you, you you mentioned him. You know, he's on a, a USL contract, but you know, Golden Boot leader at the moment. He used to play out on on one of the wings when when Ricardo was uh, was at the striker position, or sometimes wasn't even on the field. But you know, since Ricardo's been up uh, with the first team, he Ronaldo's been playing more centrally. What, what do you think about his? Obviously, you have to be happy with his progress. But where do you think he projects as to what his best position is? Is it more of a an attacking winger, or do you think it is more central? Um, you know, because he and Ricardo are you know clearly two different types of strikers. Mm-hmm. No, I think Ronaldo's a nine. I think he's a true nine. I think that's where his passion lies. I think that's where he's most effective. Um, I think that's where he's played predominantly his whole life. So he's he's very comfortable there. Um, can you play him on the wing? Yeah, in a pinch. I mean, so between Ricardo or, and Ricardo can even play out there as well. So you want to have both those guys in the field and with the system we play. Um, somebody's going to slide out wide, and maybe we can mani- manipulate their profile a little bit and how they're going to play on the day. Um, but Donald is a nine, and I think you know I think he's a player that obviously when this moment happens where a player gets moved up and his opportunity arises, he's he's taken it, and he's I mean the kid has just done a, a, unbelievable. So I'm, I'm really proud of you know the mentality you know has been such with him where there was a moment in the beginning part of the season he wasn't even making the travel roster, and I think that fueled a little bit of a fire in him to say you know this this is not acceptable for me. So you know players can take a sort of a you know, they can either not buy in or they can buy in wholeheartedly, and that's what he did, and he's, he's reaping the benefits of that work, and the club's reaping the benefits of him buying in. And so, but to answer, I mean, long story short, he's a he's a nine, and, and I see him scoring a lot of goals in, in whatever flight he's in because he's just, uh, he's got a knack for it. He's got a hunger for it. He's, uh, you know, some of the goals he scored have been really high-level goals, and he's a handful for 90 minutes of play. His endurance is, is off the charts. Um, his speed um, is... is very, very high level. So uh, his projection is who knows where it's going to go, but it's going to be very high. So now that you guys are the champions, um, you know, one of the questions that we had in our, our last show, and, and I'm going to ask this to you directly because, you know, my co-host asked me this and I was like, well, I'm not the coach, but, you know, now that you've won the league, are you, you know, might a couple of the guys who usually come off the bench start a few games just in case you have any injuries going into the playoffs? And, um, you know, how do you prepare now with a couple of games in hand before uh, before the, the two most important games of the season to uh, to, to prepare your team? Well, we, we definitely, I mean, we always look at opportunity. I mean, we want to give guys opportunity, but we don't want to be, um, we don't want to put ourselves in a situation where a result is not the focus um, because, um, anybody that's played competitive sports knows the power of losing, and we don't want to. We want to be trending upwards, and so our, our really, um, it's a, a combination of opportunity, but with the focus of the, the, nothing is is going to be good enough but three points. Um, 
because we don't want to drop anything. We want to we want to be going into that first semifinal with with a string of wins. Um, so we're you know there's a trust and a belief and a confidence in us that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go for it. Um, and anytime you lose, it doesn't matter if you're the top of the league, it has a way of, of altering, um, you know, individuals, collective groups, uh, locker rooms. Uh, it's just, it's just a, it's a weird, um, it's a weird place to be when you lose. And so I think uh, we want to avoid that weird place. We want to avoid that place if we don't, if we don't need to be there. So the focus is going to be on winning and keep trending upwards. But there's going to be players that are going to get maybe. A, a start, or they're going to get more off the bench, more minutes off the bench than maybe they would um, in a in a different type of setting, different type of game. So, uh, talk about knockouts a little bit. When you say like a different type of game, how do you expect the knockouts to be different than regular season games, if at all? Uh, I think knockout games just have a way of they create more stress, more, and so I think. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, you're going to, it's just, it's just a more stressful environment, right? When you, when you know you have games to play with and you, you can, it's, it's now it's, uh, and every mistake is crucial. So there's, you know, players are going to have to prepare better. They have to concentrate harder than they've ever done before. And, but our, our mentality has always been the same. We start every pregame speech with, we, you know, championship mentality. So it's, that's never going to change. It's just going to have to be, you know, heightened to the fullest extent come that first semifinal and throughout the, you know, if we were, if we, if we were to win it, uh, it's going to have to be there. You can't let up in playoffs. You can't let up for moments and, and think that you're going to, you won't get punished for them. So um, that's our focus now. And in, in these next two games in the regular season is we're treating everything like a playoff game because in all, in all reality, we could be playing Madison in that first semifinal. They're fourth place right now. So we look at this as a championship, as a, as a, as a playoff and we'd be crazy not to. And the same thing the following week with Tucson, it could be, that Tucson is creeping up and they're in that fourth place position. And so we, we're facing two opponents here that we could see in a few weeks' time. So we want to make sure that we, we're painting that picture broadly for our, our players. So so talk about the, those two teams because, like you mentioned, they could be your playoff opponents and along with you know Chattanooga as well. And if Greenville slips, it could be them too. But, but let's talk about both forward and Tucson because they do have two different styles of play. How do you deal with you know seeing one team that's very defensive and tends to play the counterattack in Tucson, and a team that tends to be a little bit more proactive and um, you know not quite as as uh, as counterattacking as Madison? How do you prepare your team, and and is there anything different that you do for uh, for those two different situations? Yeah, no, we do a lot. So the teams that want to sit lower and lower blocks or mid blocks, we we work, focus really hard on our prevention shapes. So. You know, we know we're going to be in their half a lot. We know we're going to dominate the ball. It's those moments in which we turn it over. Are we falling asleep? Are we ball watching? Making sure that we're tight to players immediately to where they can't get out on the run and get full speed going at us. Um, so we do a lot of work in prevention shape um, and a lot of work, you know, in the attacking tight, in the attacking third to break down those lower blocks because they're very difficult to play against. You got, you got to have, you know, got to move the ball really quickly and you got to have a lot of high level creative solutions. Um, because the game is not black and white um, ever. And so those lower blocks, you're gonna, the creativity has got to come out more. So we just want to put them in those moments in, a, in, in large quantities of time where we're preventing, where we're, we're showing them different solutions to, to be successful in that, against those lower block numbers. Um, and then those, um, 
those teams that are pressing us and want to come out, like uh, we, we want to put our, our players under stress that week in training. We want to put you know, our, our scout team or whoever, we want to make sure they're pressing us since so we're having to deal with building out under stressful situations. Um, so come the weekend, it's, it comes to second nature. You know, we want to make sure um, our methodology, our, 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 our uh, concepts that we're, we're instituting for against how to break the press are really um, everybody's spot on and knows exactly where what movements they need to be making, the shapes of their profiles, how they need to be in moments uh, as the ball moves. And so we do a lot of work just in that preparation phase is to know what we're going to be against. We want to just try to emulate the game as much as possible so that there's no confusion when the, when the whistle blows on Saturday um, as to what we're, what we're doing. So two, uh, just a couple more questions. Firstly, talk to me a little bit about the level of play. Uh, obviously, you guys have had moments where you've dominated in this league, and you know there's a lot of discussion about whether or not there should be promotion relegation between League One and the championship. Um, you know, clearly there's some MLS two teams that are you know not doing very well in the championship, but then you know New York Red Bulls too are in first place. Do you think that there might be a time where if you guys dominate like you did this year, uh, that, that you know, the, the team might consider trying to go up to the championship even if there's not the promotion relegation? Uh, I'm not sure. I, we, I have not been in a conversation. We're, we, we like the level here that we're playing in, and, and uh, you know, it, it's going to be one of those things we'll have to sit and you know, high, you know, let the higher heads prevail in, that, in those moments of dis- uh, discussion. For me, I'm preparing our guys to, to make the next jump um, to the first team and, and do, you know, obviously get them collectively playing together in a style that we want to see played uh, at the first team level. So, um, you know, that discussion, I think there's a lot of time left for that to, discussion to be had as to where, you know, is, you know I think the league's going to get better and better. New teams coming in. Um, I know there's talk of other MLS teams coming down to League One. So I think there's a lot of balls in the air. Um, but we, I, I couldn't give you a, a real educated answer on what we – you know, promotional relegation sounds great. You know, um, what happened? Who knows? Um, but I know that whether we're in league, league One's a very good league. And I think you know whether we're in League, league One or Championship flight, I think we're still we're going to be one of the top teams in in either one, just because I feel like we have really talented players and we we play a style that's that's shown to be aggressive and we're not sort of um, nobody's we're, we're at, if you look at the stats, I mean. We're dominating the ball, and I think we dominate the ball at the, at the next level as well. So um, I think it remains to be seen sort of where, you know, how this goes the next, the next season as well, with new teams added and, and, and our additions and the takeaways. You know, we're going to not, not have the same exact lineup or roster, so we got to do a good job putting together a roster that's going to be competitive next year again that we feel like a lot of projections to the first team or beyond. And so it's, it's definitely going to be a, an ever-working pro, uh, progress um, as to how we go about things the rest of the way. But, you know, I, I think the league's going to get better, as, as most leagues do, as time goes on. Well, that was going to be uh, my last question, actually. Um, so, so I have two more questions. Uh, but let's go to, to talking about, you know, building the team for next year. So you know that there's not going to be some players who are going to be on there. And obviously, you know, we haven't left the season yet. But are you looking at academy players regularly to say, okay, here's some guys that maybe I can put on academy contracts or maybe a USL contract for a season or two? Or, you know, get, now that the academy season started, are you watching any of those guys? And, you know, given that, that you're one integrated structure? We're always watching our academy. Our academies are, you know, this prized possession here for the club. And uh, it's, it's uh, we have a lot of players that we, we're always looking to see 
their progress over you know week, two weeks, month, half, you know six months because there's there's we we definitely put projections down even if they're 12 years old you know so it's um, it's uh, one that we want to follow closely and make sure that we're again that we want we want our players playing in our second team and our first team um, and what we want them coming from our academy so there's a lot of work done by a lot of great people here a lot of great coaches um, that allow that process to happen and it started way before I got here so um, we just want to keep keep out ahead of everybody and, and we believe in our model and, and but yes to answer we're we're watching closely our U19s our U17s our U15s um, because again we want to put together we don't want to be thinking like the last second we want to stay ahead in our thinking and be proactive rather than reactive you know as you were just talking there i was thinking about a a second uh, another question so you'll forgive me if i have two more one is no one is about the uh, so the u17 world cup is coming up and you know it starts luckily right after the final um so uh, are you expecting any of your players to get called up and i'm i'm thinking you know maybe a, a, at least one that I can think of that might end up on on that particular team. Yep, we think um, we know one is going to be, and there's a second. Um, so, uh, yeah, we we definitely have, we we know that we will not probably have one or two options for us um, if we were to make the final. So, but that's those are good. But those are good problems to have. As much as they're, some, some may want to look at them as oh no, it's really an oh, oh yes. Because um, that's just the culmination of, of a lot of hard work for, by the players and by the coaches and the organization. Um, we want players in the national team. We want players playing World Cups. That's that's the number one goal. That's great. So, very last question, and I promise it really is: What did you say to the guys after you secured the regular season title uh, against the South Georgia Tormenta this past weekend? The main message is: I don't. We don't want to be the the team that wins the regular season and doesn't win the championship. I mean, that's. There's been a lot I'm, of, I'm, I have to admit that I'm a New York Red Bulls fan, so I'm very familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not just them. It's happening. You, you can count. You, there's countless times where you've seen it happen in a lot, a lot of sports. Um, and so it's just you can't really hang your hat on it because people always only remember who's who's actually the actual champion, and that's what's recognized by the final. So we we can't be we can't be thinking that our our jobs are over and we we've, we've accomplished our end goal yet. So. That's the thing. It's making sure they're focused on not being that team that, you know, looks great for you know, 98% of the season and then, you know, struggles in the final two, the most important two pieces of the percentage. Um, so we want to finish this out properly and be hungry. And, and I think the guys, the, the mentality is right right now. And I, I expect us to be flying from that semifinal and, and uh, you know, let the chips fall where they may. But I like our chances. That's great. Well, if you make it to the final, I hope to shake your hand after you uh, you lift a cup. Coach Quill, thanks very much for being on League One Fun. No, I appreciate having me. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out bgn.fm for other great soccer podcasts and written content covering USL League One, USL Championship, USL League Two, NWSL, Major League Soccer, and much more. My co-host Jason can be found on Twitter at HomesweetSoccer. I can be found at Ira Jersey, and you can connect with the show on Twitter at League One Fun. That's League and the number one fun. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at RoughneckScarves.com. Until next time, hashtag support local soccer.